In this continuing message on the end time, we take a panoramic view of the end time events from the rapture of the church till the end of time as we know it and the new heavens and the new earth. We also point out key signs of the time that are indicative of the nearness of the rapture. From the rapture all the way to the new heavens and the new earth, just give us a, a, giving us a high level view of the key events that are going to take place. And the next part, uh, next half of our time will be, or the, the second part of our time today, this morning, uh, we will talk about uh, the signs of the times, key uh, things that are happening in our world today and, and the, that we are observing, which are indicative of the nearness of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, like uh, as, and as we've been mentioning, you know, we're condensing into each sermon uh, a lot of information, a lot of content. Uh, there are many scriptures and we are obviously not able to uh, talk about all of these things in the sermon itself. But the sermon notes that are available on our church website has a lot more detail than what we will be covering in the sermon. So I encourage you to take that and study it if you're, if you're interested uh, and to delve further into this subject. So let's begin by looking at the promise made when Jesus ascended into heaven or the statement given, the prophetic word given, that the Lord Jesus is coming back. So while we know Jesus is reality on the earth in history, we must also understand that it has, Bible is very clear about the coming or the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just look at this passage there in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along or just look on the screen. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So the Jewish people in their mind were thinking that the Lord Jesus is now going to overthrow the Roman empire or the Roman rule over their land, restore that land back to, the, to them, to, to Israel. Jesus responds in verse 7, he said, it is not for you to know the times or season which the father has put in his own authority. So there is a time and a season for that. Father has that in his control, but verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and to the end of the earth. So for now, here's what I want you to do. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you and you are going to be busy bearing witness to the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what you're supposed to be doing now. Verse 9, now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. So the angel is telling them, this same Jesus, you know, the same Jesus that you saw, the one who was resurrected, the one who appeared to you, he is going to come back in the same way you saw him, uh, in, the, in the same, he's going to come back the same way you saw him ascend into heaven. Now, if we believe in the ascension of Jesus, we should also believe in his return. Amen. In the same manner. Now, you know, you can imagine if there's somebody sitting here and they just shoot through the roof and through the sky and everything. It's going to be quite spooky. It's going to shake you. But just as he went up into heaven, he's going to descend. He's going to come to the clouds. And it's the same Jesus. He's going to come back. The angels foretold that. And we find that throughout the rest of the New Testament scripture, some verses we will be reading. The book of Revelation, the 22nd chapter, the very closing, the very last book, as Jesus uh, has completed all his revelation to John. Three times he repeats to John. He says, John, behold, I am coming quickly. He says, I want you to know something. He's reiterating it, repeating it. I am coming quickly. I'm coming back. So the Bible is very clear that the Lord Jesus is returning. He is coming back. Now let's just look at an overview of key events that will take place from here on into eternity. And I'm just going to I hit upon the main points and then we'll try to delve a little uh, into each part or each segment of, of the sequence of events. We are living in what most people call or dispensationalists call as the church age or the age of grace. 
uh, uh, dispensationalists would divide our time on earth into different eras or time periods. And this time period that we're living in is called the church age. The very next event that's going to take place is what we call as the rapture of the church. And of course, the word rapture itself is not found in the Bible. Uh, it comes from the Latin word, which simply means snatch away. And it's, it's an appropriate word, I think, for the great catch, for us being snatched away from the earth. And at that moment, there is going to be the resurrection of every person who believed in Jesus, who's dead. They're going to come back to life, take on glory, uh, glorified bodies in an instant. And we who are alive, who believe in Jesus, the Bible says our bodies will be changed in an instant. Um, glorified bodies. And we will meet the Lord in the air and we will be with Him uh, in heaven for a seven-year period. The seven-year period on the earth is referred to as the tribulation time. Now, during that seven-year period, there's a lot of things that will happen. Uh, and the book of Revelation has a lot of detail on it. We'll talk about a few of those things here this morning and maybe uh, additional details in, in the last sermon. Let me just give an overview of the book of Revelation. So that's the seven-year tribulation. Things are happening in heaven. We'll mention some of that today. There are a lot of things happening here on earth. At the end of that seven-year period, the Lord Jesus is going to come back. And that's referred to as the second coming of Christ. He's going to come back. There is the battle of Armageddon taking place at the very end of that seven-year tribulation period. Jesus is going to descend on that same mountain from which he took off, the Mount of Olivet. The Bible talks about the mountain splitting into two and Jesus executing judgment. That battle of Armageddon is also the judgment of the nations. When the armies that are against God and against his people will be uh, destroyed. And uh, at the end of the tribulation period and at the, at, at when Jesus comes back, the tribulation saints, those who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and who died at that time will be resurrected at that point in glorified bodies. Uh, Jesus will establish his throne in Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem uh, as a world capital, he will rule uh, for a thousand years. Saints, you and I, believers and Saints of the Lord will help administer his kingdom over the earth for a thousand year period. During that thousand years, referred to as the millennium, Satan will be bound for that period. So uh, evil as we know it, coming directly from demonic influence, will not be there during that thousand year period. At the end of that thousand year period, Satan will be loosed for a brief moment of time for his final uh, effort against people who were alive at that point, trying to deceive them. The Lord will intervene. Right after that brief moment, Satan will be bound and cast forever into the lake of fire. At that moment, all the, de- all the people who ever lived, all the dead will be raised. Basically, all the unsaved will be raised and they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The books will be opened. This is Revelation 20. The books will be opened and every person's name was not written, uh, name was not in the Lamb's book of life, will be cast into the lake of fire. Right after that, the Bible says that the heaven, the earth will be renovated by fire. There will be a renovation of the earth. Everything will be destroyed. And there will be new heavens and a new earth. And we step in to our eternity future. So this is at a very high level, the key events that will take place, the sequence of events. We're going to delve a little bit into each part of this sequence of events. Uh, there will be additional details in the notes that, will, that are upon the web. On, on the website and there will be some more that we will cover when we go through the book of Revelation. Now, just a little bit about the book of Revelation. Uh, the book of Revelation has in, in chronological sequence many things uh, that, that will happen. Uh, as the Lord Jesus begin, began to speak to John, he said, I am going to speak to you about things that have happened, things that are happening and things that are yet to come. Revelation 1 captures things that have happened. Revelation 2 and 3 captures the church age, things that were happening at that time. Revelation 4 onwards captures things that are to happen. Revelation chapters 4 and 5 capture or reveal to us things that happen in heaven right after the rapture of the church. It shows people worshipping, saints worshipping, the elders worshipping before the throne of God. From chapter 6 onwards through the end, Chapter 6 starts off with the beginning of the tribulation, with the arrival of the Antichrist. And that, uh, that's uh, a sequence that, that's very interesting to observe and see all the key things happening. Let's just look at the rapture of the church. I want us to read some scripture. I think we will read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, which talks to us about the rapture of the church. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 onwards. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Once again in 1 Corinthians 15, we'll read three verses there from verse 51. Paul writes, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So in that twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the trumpet, Bible says our bodies will be changed. We'll have glorified bodies. What about these glorified bodies? It'll be bodies just like the body Jesus had after his resurrection. He could pass through the walls, but it still could be felt. He told Thomas, put your hands and, and, and touch me. See, you can eat. Jesus ate. He can also ascend in a moment into heaven. He ascended. So it's a spiritual body, yet it is something that can be touched and felt. And yet it can pass, and it can pass through walls and so on. And that, that's the kind of body you and I will have which, uh, uh, which our, glorified bodies, our glorified bodies will be like. Now, a lot of things that I'm not going to be addressing in, in the sermon this morning, one is a big question, uh, how do you say that the rapture of the church will take place before the tribulation? In the sermon notes, that I, uh, I listed, I think, about six reasons why we say with great confidence that the rapture of the church takes place before the tribulation. I encourage you to uh, read that. Another, important, another question uh, that people would ask is, if the church is taken out of the way, will the Holy Spirit still be at work on the earth during the tribulation? And I, again, in the sermon notes, I, I, I give reasons why the Holy Spirit will be at work on the earth, uh, even after the church is removed out of the way, because there are going to be many people. One reason is because there are going to be many people who will come to faith in Christ during the tribulation. Uh, another reason is because there are 144,000 Jews who are sealed by God. And we understand in New Testament scripture, the seal is the mark of the Holy Spirit. And so are the reasons there as to why the Holy Spirit will still be at work on the earth during the tribulation. And so there is additional information there in the sermon notes which we will not be talking about. But the coming of the Lord is like a thief in the night. Which means it's going to be unexpected. Amen. So it is incumbent upon each of us to always be in a state of readiness. To live in a, a life and to be about doing things as, as, a, as was shared earlier. That we live in a state of readiness. Be doing the things God has called us to do. So that if the Lord, whenever the Lord comes, we are ready. There might be other questions which are again addressed in the sermon notes. One is about the trumpet of God. What is this last trumpet? Uh, if there's a last trumpet, there should be also a trumpet before that. And that's also addressed in the sermon notes uh, in connection with the rapture. And I encourage you to read it. So now the believers are taken up into heaven. We're there for, se- for that seven year period. What indication do we have of things that will take place in heaven? Here are some things that will happen there. Uh, we will be with the Lord in glory. Colossians 3, 4 tells us that. We will see him as he is. Imagine that. The Bible tells us that we will be like him, living in glorified bodies. We will know God even as we are known. You know, so there's another question that people ask in heaven. Will we be able to recognize each other? Now think about this. In Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was uh, the Lord who was transfigured. Um, and he had two Old Testament prophets, Moses and Elijah next to him. Peter, James, and John had never seen these two Old Testament prophets. But yet at that moment, they recognized who they were. They had a knowing coming in. They knew who these men were, even though they had never physically seen them. So it's indicative to us of what will happen when we are in our glorified bodies in heaven, where we will know even as we are known. People that you and I have never met, Peter, James, John, Paul, you'll just know who they are. Not because you saw them on the earth. But because you will know, even as you are known, that knowing will be given to all of us. And so, yes, we will be able to recognize the ones we have seen on earth and even the ones we've never met uh, who are up there in heaven. Uh, We'll be welcomed into our mansions in heaven. Jesus spoke about that in John 14. And here's one very important thing. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Romans 14 talk about this. That all of us believers will be judged in heaven. This judgment is not for salvation, but for our life that we lived and the works we've done here on earth. 
the Bible tells us there in 1 Corinthians 3 that the works will be tested by fire of what sort it is. I mean, what is the kind, the nature, the quality of the work we did? If there are works of wood, hay and stubble representing works of the flesh, they will be destroyed. But those of gold, silver and precious stones representing what is of divine, that which was born of the spirit, they will stand the test of fire and each one will receive a reward for their labor. Amen. So the real question now for you and me as believers is, hey, we must serve the Lord and we must do the things the Lord wants us to do. Amen. Because we are going to stand before the Lord to give an account of the things we've done here on earth for the sake of his kingdom. We will engage in worship as redeemed kings and priests. Revelation 5 and 6 capture that. We will be joined in worship by tribulation martyrs. So during that seven year period, there will be many, many people who will be dying for their faith in Christ. Because they will come to faith after all these things happen. But yet, they will be under great persecution. They will lose their lives. And they will be up in heaven. Revelation 7 captures a lot of that. And there are other passages in the book of Revelation that talk about these martyrs who are coming and worshiping the Lord in His presence. And... Finally, we will be part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Bible talks about different crowns that believers will receive. It talks about a crown of righteousness, an imperishable crown, a crown of life, and a crown of glory. Different crowns that will be given out to believers. The 24 elders that we see in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 are redeemed believers. They sit around the throne with crowns that they have received for their labor. And they, they cast their crowns in worship before their Lord. Now we don't know who those 24 elders are, but they are redeemed saints, people like you and me who have been redeemed uh, by the blood of Christ. And they have been given the special privilege of sit- sitting on the right and the left uh, 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 on those thrones around. Now remember, um, Peter and James and John, the mother wanted to reserve two seats for her sons. Uh, we don't know if they'll make it, they might, but I don't know. But that's up to the Lord to decide on whom he's going to have seated on the throne. But those elders, the 24 elders that we see in chapters 4 and 5 are part of this uh, people who received their rewards and been uh, given this privilege to sit um, uh, around the throne of the Lamb of God. So here on earth, let's talk about what's going to happen here on earth during that seven year period, the seven year tribulation. The Bible also calls the seven year tribulation as Daniel's 70th week. The reason is because uh, if you remember some of the scripture we've been looking at in, in Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 to 27, the angel speaks to Daniel and says, 70 weeks have been appointed for your people. And then the angel explains to them, to Daniel saying, 69 weeks from the time of the issuing of the decree of Cyrus to rebuild the temple until the uh, crucifying or the crucifixion of the Messiah. That's 483 years. So that 62 weeks, four hundred each week representing seven years, that 62 weeks period of 483 years was fulfilled exactly as written in Daniel. So this one week was still left unfulfilled. And uh, right from the crucifixion of the Messiah on to the beginning of the tribulation is the church age. And so there is a hold on those 60, on the 70 weeks. One week is still waiting to be fulfilled. That, that's the church age from the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus till the beginning of the tribulation. The church is taken out of the way and now the clock starts ticking on Daniel's 70th week, that last seven year period. Are you with me? So that's why the tribulation period is also referred to as Daniel's 70th week. And uh, here are some of the key things that we see happening uh, in, in, uh, in the seven weeks. Uh, over the seven, seven year period, we see the, the book of Revelation revealing to us God having three sets of seven judgments. There are the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. And as each one is unveiled, as each seal is opened, as each trumpet is blown, as each bowl is poured out, each represents some sort of a judgment that is released on the earth. In some cases, it may not be a judgment, but it's an event that is actually happening up in heaven. So this takes place over the course of these seven years. The seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. At the very beginning of this tribulation, the Bible talks about the rising of the beast, really the Antichrist. He's a world ruler. So when you read the book of Revelation and you talk when you read the word beast, don't think about some you know dinosaur. It's not a dinosaur. It's talking about a man, a world ruler. Uh, and the reason he's called the beast, Revelation 13 begins to describe that he's, and he's actually empowered by the dragon. Again, we think about dragon, don't think about, you know, some 
character. It's talking about Satan. He's this man whom the Bible calls as the beast of the Antichrist is directly empowered by Satan. Now he comes on the world scene and he's, he's accepted worldwide because of his ability. Um, he, he's a leader and, and as we have already shared in the earlier Sunday, he comes out of a 10 nation confederacy or 10 nations that are part of the former Roman Empire. That's why the European Union is very, uh, that we look at that very closely because most of the member states of the European Union were also part of the former Roman Empire. Uh, there are other regions that, were, that are not part of the European Union but are part that were part of the Roman Empire. So what we will see happening is there are 10 nations coming together. These 10 nations belonged to the former Roman Empire. They come together. They decide to do things for the world, especially concerning the peace of the Middle East. And out of these 10 nations comes one major leader who is the Antichrist or the beast. He comes into prominence. Now, uh, you see this in Daniel 7.24. I'm not sure if it's on the screen there, uh, where, where this is described. He, come, he becomes a world leader because of a seven-year peace treaty that he brings in to bear upon the crisis in the Middle East. In Daniel 9.27, it says, he will confirm a covenant, a peace treaty, with many for one week. So he's saying, a seven-year peace treaty, we're going to have peace here in the Middle East, and he's gonna be, they're going to accept it, and uh, he's going to be recognized as a leader. Now, another important thing that's going to happen somewhere right before the Antichrist emerges on the scene or shortly thereafter is the rebuilding of the temple on the Temple Mount. We've talked a lot about that last Sunday. And this will have to come into place. It is quite possible that as part of his peace treaty, he divides up the land of Israel, maybe releasing portions of the land to the Palestinians, but also giving allowance to the building or the rebuilding of the temple on the Temple Mount. But however it happens, that temple will come into place. The priesthood and the sacrifices will resume in that temple. And like we said last Sunday, all of this has been ready. Since 1987, the Temple Institute has been preparing. All the utensils are in, in place. Over 20,000 priests have already been trained. They're all ready to step into that temple once it's rebuilt on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and resume. In a matter of weeks, everything will be in place. So everything is ready and uh, we just have to wait to see the temple come. Uh, one of the things that will happen also at, at, during this thousand year uh, this seven-year tribulation period, is 144,000 Jews will be divinely marked by God and uh, sealed and protected by God to preach the gospel. Revelation chapter 7 has this, verses 3 and 4 says, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So 144,000 Jews will be marked and the seal most likely represents the Holy Spirit upon them. They will be marked by God. And as you continue reading in Revelation 7, we can infer that they are going to be preaching the gospel uh, all over the world. The world is going to hear the gospel preached by these Jewish witnesses. Many, many, many will come to faith, but they will immediately suffer martyrdom. They will be killed because people will be so anti-Christ during that period. And Revelation 7 describes these martyred saints up in heaven worshipping God along with the believers. So there will be, will be many tribulation martyrs. Revelation 8 talks about an increase in prayer and intercession rising up from the earth uh, and so on. The next major event that will happen, and I'm skipping some of the things in between, uh, is that when we reach the middle of that seven-year period, the middle of that, the, at the end of that first three and a half years, the Antichrist, this man, this ruler, is going to break his pre peace treaty. Uh, the Bible tells us this in Daniel 9, verse 27, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. That means he's going to come into the temple where all of this thing is happening on the temple mount, the uh, the, the worship, the sacrifice are happening. He's going to come in and he is going to stop it. And uh, the Bible tells us there in Daniel 9 and also in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that he is going to set up his own image in the temple and demand that that be worshipped instead of the living God. He's going to desecrate the temple and he's going to demand for that. Daniel chapter 12 verse 11 says this, From the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, and the abomination of desolation is set up. That means he puts up his own image in the temple. From that time, there shall be 1,290 days. And second half of the tribulation, three and a half year period. That's the, right there in the middle of that. So the middle of the seven year tribulation begins what we call as the great tribulation. Things are going to be really bad. The second half of the tribulation period. Are you still with me or you're already raptured? 
All right. Okay. It was really quiet, so I wasn't sure. All right. So right there, at the middle of the three and a half year period, we see another thing happening. Two witnesses are sent by God. Uh, Revelation chapter 11 has this. I'll read the first few verses. Uh, uh, the angel speaks to John. He says, I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood and said, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it. For it has been given to the Gentiles and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. So the three and a half years, the Gentiles are now going to come into Jerusalem. Um, they're going to, you know, really desecrate the temple. But then verse 3 says, and I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. And, 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 and it describes their ministry. So there will be two witnesses, two prophets. One of them we know is Elijah. Uh, because uh, Malachi chapter 4 verses um, uh, 5 and 6 it very clearly says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So we know one of them will be Elijah. The other prophet uh, people uh, uh, you know, uh, think it could be Moses or it could be Enoch. Uh, we're not 100% sure, but there will be two of these prophets who will be in the earth during that time, uh, preaching the gospel, proclaiming Jesus, uh, doing great signs and wonders. Now, the Bible, uh, Revelation 11, gives us a lot of detail on what will happen uh, towards the end, very cl- towards the end of that three and a half period. Uh, they will be killed. The whole world will see them li- see their bodies lying on the streets of Jerusalem for three days. They'll be dead, uh, and, and they will see it, which all of which is very possible today. With uh, with, with television and so on. Uh, and then in the, when the whole world is watching, the whole world is rejoicing that these two prophets have been killed before everybody's eyes, their bodies will be raised up and they will ascend into heaven. That's going to be a, quite a shock. That's there in Revelation chapter 11. There are other things the Bible talks about. It talks about in Revelation 12, the woman and the man-child uh, and, uh, uh, and Babylon and, and uh, the fall of Babylon and a mystery Babylon and so on, uh, which I'm not addressing but about this time let's talk a little bit about the rule of the antichrist what's he going to do so the middle of the three and a half year period he breaks his peace treaty he sets himself up as, a, as, as an image to be worshipped along with the antichrist uh, is uh, what we call what the bible talks about as the false prophet or the second beast and the dragon the second beast again it's not you know uh, uh, some creature but it's another man who arises up he is a false prophet, meaning he's a world a religious leader. So he arises up and he joins hands with the Antichrist. And through the, a world religious system, he gets people to embrace whatever the Antichrist wants to be done and gets them to worship the image of the beast. So there is the beast, which is the Antichrist. There is the second beast or the false prophet, another a, a world religious leader who gets people to embrace the Antichrist. Both of them are energized by the dragon, meaning Satan. They are empowered by Satan. So uh, in order to extend his, his rule or his control over the whole world, the Bible tells us very clearly in Revelation 13 that the Antichrist, this world ruler, is going to do two things. He's going to try to bring in a world currency, one world currency, and he's going to bring in a, a, a universal identification system. Revelation 13, 16 to 18 says this, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. It's some sort of an identification system. So that no one can buy or sell, no one can transact. The currency is being controlled now. Except one who has a mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So one of the ways that the, this world ruler is going to extend control is through both a one world currency system and a, a universal identification system. So the Bible has several other things that talk about, uh, uh, about other thing, events that take place. But when you come to the end of that seven year period, one of the precursors that lead up to the Battle of Armageddon is what we call as the Battle of Gog and Magog. This is Russia. This Russia decides to invade Israel at that time. Ezekiel writes this in Ezekiel 38. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set, set your face against Gog um, of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Thus says the Lord, that's verse 10, 
on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan verse 11 you will say i will go up against a land of unwalled villages i will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and to take booty and to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and good who dwell in the midst of the land so very clearly that people that were dwelling in peace at that time, are the, uh, in safety at that time, are the people of Israel. God is going to divinely protect them at that time. And they are the people who have been gathered from the nation. But when you look very closely at these tribes, as you will see on the next slide, all of these point to Russia. Gog of the land of Magog, the, the, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. Magog are descendants found in modern Russia. Tubal, uh, again, they're another tribe of people found in southwest of Siberia. Meshach was the original name of Moscow. And Rosh is again the name of another tribe uh, dwelling in Russia. So all of these things, all of these tribes point to Russia. And that's why we say in Ezekiel 38 that the Russians are going to make a move against Israel. It's going to come into the minds. I'm going to go against these people who have been gathered from the nations. They're going to come against them. Now what Ezekiel 38 and uh, 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 Joel chapter 2 revealed to us is that when Russia is coming, they're going to be accompanied by other nations. Uh, Iran, uh, Iraq, Ethiopia, Libya, uh, Turkey and Egypt are going to come uh, join with Russia and come against Israel in that initial war. But in a very surprising way, Russia is going to experience a great loss. Because God is going to intervene at that time supernaturally. And Russia is going to withdraw for some time. They're going to go back. They're going to recoup. And they're going to regather and they're going to come back against Israel and against Jerusalem. But this time when they come back, they are going to incite all the nations of the world to come against Israel. So that is the lead up to the battle of Armageddon. So here in the battle of Armageddon is the final conflict where many, many, many nations join together and decide to come from all different directions against Israel, against um, uh, Jerusalem, against the people of God. Uh, what we see in the Bible described to us in Zechariah 14 is that at this time, and also Revelation chapters uh, 16 and 19, uh, that uh, there will be a great loss. Israel will suffer a great loss in the initial beginnings of this battle. But as this battle is intensifying and it seems like Israel is really being destroyed, at that time, the same Jesus who went up into heaven will come in the like manner that he went. Zechariah 14 has this, and I'd like to read those verses for you. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half the city will go into captivity, meaning half the city is going to be destroyed. Uh, the remnant of the people will not be cut off. There will be a people who will be preserved. Verse 3, Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those enemies as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain will be moved toward the north and half of, the, of it toward the south. From that same mountain that he ascended, the Lord will descend to defend his people. And Revelation captures it that with the word of his mouth, he's going to destroy all these armies. Uh, this is going to be the judgment of the nations. They will be destroyed and Jesus will come defend Israel. And uh, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet will, will be bound, will be cast away in the lake of fire. Uh, at that time, Satan himself will be bound, kept aside for a thousand year period. Jesus, and so we enter into the millennium. The tribulation saints, those who were martyred during the tribulation, will be raised up with glorified bodies at that moment. And Jesus will set up his throne in Jerusalem and rule on the earth for a thousand year period. Uh, the Bible tells us both in Daniel chapter 7 and 1 Corinthians 6 that the saints, you and I and other belie believers, the saints will administer the kingdom during that thousand year period. Jerusalem will be the world capital. People will be going up to Jerusalem to learn the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord will be proclaimed out of Jerusalem uh, to the ends of the world. The world the population will be rebuilt. The things on the earth will be reestablished uh, during the millennium. Uh, there will be the millennium temple where the sacrifices are continuing in order to remind the people about the finished work of Christ on the cross. Just as how we celebrate the Lord's table these days in remembrance of what, what he has done. For us on the cross. Now there will be many people who will be born during the millennium. 
uh, and they will need to be taught about the Lord. Many will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It will be easy to believe uh, in the Lord Jesus uh, during the millennium because Satan will be bound for a thousand years and he will not be around to deceive people or do the evil things he's doing right now. So it's going to be easy for people to believe, but there will be work to be done during that thousand year period here on the earth. At the end of that millennium, Satan, the Bible tells us in Revelation 20, he'll be loose for a season, for a brief moment of time. or He'll have his final opportunity to do what he wants against mankind. Unfortunately, there will still be some people who believe the lies of the devil at that point. That shows his ability to deceive people. Uh, and the Lord will step in, will destroy uh, the works of, the, of what the devil is doing. Satan will be bound, cast forever into the lake of fire. And as, and, and as we've mentioned already, at that moment, at the end of the thousand year period, uh, all the dead who ever lived will be raised up. And Revelation 20 says, there will be the great white throne judgment. That every person will stand before the throne of God. And the books will be opened. And Revelation 20 verse 15 says, whosoever name was not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Right after this will be the renovation of the earth. I would like to read this passage for us. I know it's a long passage, but I'd like to read that in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 14. Peter says this, he says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So think about this. Thousand years is like one day to the Lord. So for us, it's a long period of time. For him, it's like one day. So it's not that the Lord is lazy concerning his promise, but he is granting time for people to repent because he wants everyone to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace without spot and blameless. Because we know what's coming up. Because we know that everything is going to be destroyed. It's going to be burnt up. There are going to be new heavens and a new earth. The Bible says, you know, beloved, let us keep ourselves pure, spotless, and blameless. So right after the renovation of the heavens and the earth, there will be, after the earth, there will be new heavens, new earth, and the new city of Jerusalem will descend, be on the earth. That's the first sermon. All right. The second part, and I'm going to cover it probably in five minutes. I want to talk very quickly on some of the key signs of the times. What are indicators today in our world today that are telling us that the coming of the Lord is really near? We could be that final generation that actually sees all of these things taking place. I want to run through some of these signs here. Number one, and most importantly, is that Israel was formed as a nation. You know, this is very important, very critical, because without Israel coming together as a nation, none of the other prophecies concerning that nation and concerning the, you know, what, lied, what was, was up ahead could ever be fulfilled. So the fact that Israel became a nation in 1948 is critical. We could almost say that the prophetic time clock started ticking from that moment and things began to take place from the time Israel was regathered as a nation. Another important sign is this, that Jesus said one, in Matthew 24, he said one generation will not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. That means all these signs will take place in one generation, according to what the Lord Jesus said. Now, if you do a little math here, uh, Israel became as a nation in 1948, but they actually gained control of their own city, Jerusalem, in 1967. Uh, and, and so we look at that as another very important point in time, 1967, that year, because that was the year Jerusalem came back under the control of the Jews. So one generation from that time, if we want to calculate now a generation, we're not very sure how many years it is. Uh, some people take it to be about 50, 52 years. If you look at it from the genealogy perspective, when you look at the genealogies in um, Matthew and in Luke, and you calculate the number of 
generations and you divide the total number of generations by time span, you will arrive at something like 50 or 52 years. All, but if you look at a generation in terms of an entire lifespan, which is about 70 to 80 years, you would say that a generation lasts about that time. But either way, if you do the math, you can see that the years come right close to our time. Now, please don't go and say, Pastor said, the Lord is coming in 2019. <laughs> please don't say that. <laughs> or Pastor said, the Lord is coming in 2037. We have plenty of time. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, Jesus gave us a clue. He said, one generation. And we understand that Israel taking repossession of Jerusalem is very crucial. It is a high watermark. It's a very important event. And so if that is considered to be the beginning and you add a generation to it, you get a ballpark, you get an estimate of these number of years. And, and it's very, you know, right there in the time when we are here on the earth. Third reason why we are pretty close is because of the maturity of what the church is, what's happening in the church worldwide. Uh, we see the church, as it says in Ephesians 4, we are being brought uh, to the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ uh, the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists are doing their work. The church is really coming to a place of maturity. And there is, there's a lot of positive. I'm not saying that everything is great. Yes, we have problems. Yes, there are a lot of wrong things happening. But when you compare the church of today to the church of maybe the 1500s or uh, the 1900s, the, the world church globally is stronger than ever before. And it is increasing uh, in strength. And Ephesians 5 tells us he's coming back for a church that is without spot or wrinkle. So the fact that the church is growing... There are more people giving themselves to prayer and worship and, and all of that. The maturity that we're seeing happening in the church is again a very important indicator. Number four, there is an explosion in knowledge and travel. Daniel 12 verse 4, Daniel said, the angel told Daniel, Daniel shut up the words and seal this book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. There is going to be increased travel and there's going to be explosion of knowledge. So thank God for Indigo and Jet Airways and SpiceJet and all that. Everybody can fly, you know. There is increased travel. Everybody's traveling. Hey, Daniel wrote that uh, uh, almost like seven, about 1,500 years ago. He, he wrote that. Said there will be increased travel at the time of the end. And knowledge will explode. I mean, think about the knowledge, the information uh, that is being collected. You know, uh, quite some time ago, a couple of years ago, people stopped talking about data. And they started talking big data. It's like now everything is big. right? Why? Because of the volume of information, right? Everything changed. Uh, and, and, and every day, terabytes of data, every single day, terabytes of data are being generated. Every time you post your picture on Facebook, you tell where, you know, you tell Facebook or Instagram or whatever, whatever social media platform you use, uh, you tell them where you went and had your lunch or what you did or, you know, what you bought. You know, don't think your only your friends are watching it. Man, there are others processing that information. All of that information is being processed. Be, everything, the information every individual is generating is actually being tracked and processed. That's why, you know, companies know what to offer you. When you go to Amazon, you know why your favorite things show up. You know, because you've been being you're tracked almost every day. Everything you do is being tracked. And so information is exploding every day and, uh, and, 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 and that, that is being used. So Daniel spoke about that. Uh, there are number five, uh, fifth sign is this. There's a, the global political and economic conditions. Jesus said this. He said there'll be wars. There'll be commotions. Don't be terrified. Nations will go against nations, kingdoms against kings. We're seeing all of that happening in increased measure, frequency and intensity. There'll be fear, hate and terror. Luke 20, 21, 25, 26. You said, that, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. Men's heart failing them for fear. The incidents that have been happening over the last several weeks and even over the, over the, over the last weekend. Things that all cause perplexity. Leaders are confused. They don't know what to do. How do we do this? How do we control these things? And men's hearts are being gripped with fear. Just even to go out on the streets by yourself or engage in something. You don't know what's going to happen. It can happen any part of the world. The weather conditions. Jesus said in Luke 21, 11, There will be great earthquakes in various places. If you look at the earthquake trends there, and this is from the uh, United States Geological Survey, uh, from 1973 on to about 2013, you see a trend, an increased number of earthquakes. And if you look at the number of earthquakes in magnitude of 6 and above uh, on the Richter scale, again, you see a trend that's going up. Yes, we've 
maybe had a little drop towards the last 13 or so, but the trend is, all, is, is, is an upward trend, an increased number uh, in intensity and frequency. You look at the number of plagues, and uh, this one is from uh, the Royal Society Interface. Uh, in the, uh, Jesus said in Luke 21, 11, there will be great pestilences. Look at the number of plagues there. And you see just in 2000, you can go to the next slide, uh, in plagues and epidemics, uh, you will see the, 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 the number of infectious outbreaks is on the rise. 2010, it's way up to uh, 3,000 uh, infectious outbreaks. It's steadily increasing. Number nine, the moral condition of man. Uh, Jesus said, lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. You look at the increase of sin and godliness. Things that 10 years ago people considered taboo is now being accepted and uh, legislated by governments. And and they're supporting these things. Uh, Lawlessness is on the increase everywhere. Number 10, the deception and global global spiritualism, false spirituality. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 24. He said, take heed, no one deceive you. Many will come. Saying, I am Christ and deceived many. They will come as people who are annoyed, who have an answer to the world's problems or the, the, the answers to things that people are looking for. And many will be deceived by false spirituality. And that's on the increase. Number 11, the gospel is being proclaimed to all the nations like never before. Through television and through all kinds of means, we see this. And Jesus said the gospel will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. There's, of course, accompanied with that increased persecution, uh, uh, on the rise uh, for, uh, against believers, a couple of other things uh, concerning Jerusalem, which we've already been talking about, that Israel and Jerusalem becomes the epicenter of conflict, becomes the focus. Uh, the EU, the UN, the UK, and the US are focusing, trying to resolve that crisis there in the Middle East. The Temple Mount, which we spoke about last Sunday, again, everything is ready. Things to rebuild is another sign. Uh, some of the possibilities that exist today, uh, the possibility of a 10-nation confederacy, as I mentioned at the very beginning, it's so possible for these 10 nations to come together uh, uh, and, and, and decide to do something. The possibility of a new world order, the, posi- the, the fact that nations and leaders are perplexed and they are looking, they're ready to uh, accept somebody who's going to come forward and, 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 and uh, uh, promise solutions to the challenges the world is facing. The possibility of a one world currency and the universal ID. Uh, again, that is so possible because of the technology that we have. We are so connected. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that every, you know, the identification system of every nation is part of this. What I'm just saying is that uh, a universal ID, a universal currency is possible in our day and time given the technology and the capabilities that we have. So all of these things are indicative that we are down to the Y. It's 11 59. The question is, are you ready? Are you and I living lives that are always in readiness for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? If there's anyone here this morning and, you know, maybe you're not ready spiritually. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're not sure if your sins are forgiven. You're not sure that if the Lord would come now that you would be caught up to meet Him in the air. And I want to let you know if this morning is your time to get ready. Don't postpone it. For any reason you're not sure that you're going to be taken up. You don't want to be left behind. And go through the tribulation. But if you're not sure, you're going to be taken up in the rapture. And you are a believer washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That your life is securely in Christ. If you're not sure, now is the time. This is the moment to get ready. For us of us as believers, we've got to live, in a life, live a life that's always in a state of readiness. And do our part to win as many people to the Lord as we possibly can. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet, please. We'll close in a few moments. I know we're well over our regular closing time. But in a few moments, we'll just pray and close. So let's take a moment to pray here, please. If there are people here this morning and you feel in your hearts that, look, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I need to be ready. I cannot continue living the way I'm living. Not sure of where I am in my faith. This morning, I want to lead you in a simple prayer to help you put your life in the hands of Jesus. To ask him to be your savior because every one of us needs a savior. If you've never done this before or if you feel you need to do it again, then I want you to just pray this with me, please. Lord Jesus, this morning, I put my life in your hands. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sins. I make me a child of God. Help me to live a life that will do your will, fulfill your purpose, and that will be ready for your coming. I ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Does anyone here, you pray this prayer with me for the very first time and 
If you've done this, if you don't mind, just raise your hand up. We want to see how many prayed this prayer here this morning. You prayed this with me for the very first time. Just raise your hands. Anybody? You prayed this with me and say, yes. Prayed this. Get my heart, get my life ready to Jesus. Anybody? Can I see your hands? Or I says, are waiting to give you a bag that will help you. Okay. I don't see any hand yet. But if you did pray this prayer with me this morning, and you got yourself right with Jesus, on the way out, you'll find our ushers there with their red bag and they'll have a little decision card with them just tell them you know I prayed that prayer and uh, you can take that back that they will give you that has some resources to help you grow in your faith in Jesus and just take a moment to write your name and your contact number and we will get in touch with you and help you grow in this decision that you made this morning the rest of us could we just close our eyes for a moment please and would you say Lord this life I have here on earth, I want it to count for your kingdom. I want to live ready for the coming of the Son of God. And I want to serve Him. Just right where you are in whatever you're doing, whatever vocation, whatever you have, serve the Lord. In your sphere of influence, you begin to impact lives. Make a difference. So Father, this morning we just pray for grace and strength upon each of us as believers to live as you would like us to live, Lord. As you would want us to live. And I also pray, Father, that each of us, Lord, will live lives that will count for your kingdom. That we will do things that will cause many to come into the faith the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Put in us a sense of urgency. Put in us a sense of passion, of fire, of boldness, of unashamedness for Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, even as you've said, we pray, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly in Jesus' name. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each of us always. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Next Sunday we'll be back at St. Joseph's meeting in our usual location. So please head out there next Sunday. Uh, if any of you need prayer and ministry, we'll be here. Uh, so feel free to come here. Uh, come up. And we'll be here to pray and minister to you uh, if you have a need. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.